Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. Stay here for a little while Until 
him, church. Think about it. Think about it. He's worthy of all my praise. Every bit of it. Even when I don't feel like praising him. Praise him, church. Praise him. have your Bibles, if you would turn to Philippians chapter 1, and then also, if you want to put your finger in Genesis chapter 25, we're going to go there in just a little bit, but I want to say thank you, praise team, phenomenal job, phenomenal job, as always. But if you'd stand for the reading of God's Word, Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy 
in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, and here's the part I want you to get, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. God, I'm thankful that I'm still a work in progress. But God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your word is true. And just like Paul, I'm confident of this very thing, that you who began a good work, God, you are going to finish. God, just like all the great characters of the Bible, God, they had shady moments. God, they had times in their lives that was really questionable. But God, even in those moments, you brought them forth and they did mighty great things. And we just thank you this morning that we, the people of God, still, we do questionable things sometimes, but we're confident that you're not done with us yet. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. I love preaching on characters. I love going and bringing some characters out. And here for the next several weeks, we're going to look at a character by the name of Jacob. And then we may even go in to his son when we're finished. But uh, I, I love the, the, the story of Jacob. I, I, and and at the, when I think about Jacob, I always go back to what Paul said. For He says, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And when I think about Jacob, I always go back to that verse because God finished with Jacob. It took him about 100 years, but he did it. Jacob done a lot of shady things. But he, I love the fact that what God did with Jacob, he's done it with everyone that belongs to him. Again, I know we've all done questionable things in our lives, and we've all done things that we look back and we say, man, I don't even know what I was thinking, what I was doing. But if God has begun a work in your life and you stay in partnership with Him, the Word declares that He's going to finish it. He's still going to finish. I love that old song the Hemphills used to sing, He's Still Working on Me. And to make me what I ought to be. I mean, so think about that. That that excites me to know that I'm not a finished product yet. It probably excites my wife that I'm not a finished product yet also. But it, it, it's amazing and it's exciting to me because when God begins to work in a person's life, I love the fact that he never quits. God never quits working on a person's life. In fact, God is determined to finish the work. He's determined. He'll finish the job. There's no getting away from that fact. Again, does not Philippians 1, 6 say, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So understand you're never going to be perfect, but one day Christ is going to perfect you. The desire of God is to make me a man. And you, a man or woman that is just like Christ, in the image of Christ, to build the character of Christ Jesus inside of us. Again, we are ambassadors of Christ, so we should look like Him. God has purposed to do that. Those of you that have been coming to our Galatians study, you all remember what Galatians 4.19 said. We just read this last week. Galatians 4.19, uh, Paul said, 
my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. What did what God did with Jacob is an amazing thing because he's trying to do that with us. All of us. God was continually trying to mold Jacob into the man that he wanted him to be. He's trying to build his character. Always trying to get that man that he saw to be the complete person that God knew that Jacob could be. And what a job that God took upon himself to do with Jacob. Misty knows all about that, right? She's got her Jacob up there. But we're sitting here and we're thinking, Jacob had to be one of the most stubborn men ever. Wives, your husband has nothing on him. You say your husband's stubborn. Be thankful he's not like Jacob because the Old Testament, I love the fact that the the Old Testament was written for our instructions. And and we ourselves, a lot of times, we will look at Old Testament and New Testament characters and we'll find ourselves in their shoes sometimes. And we begin to kind of get suspect with God a lot of times, what he might be trying to do in, in our lives and in our families. And when we see what he did in the lives of those Old Testament characters, uh, we kind of get a little bit of, uh, of hope to think, man, we're not that bad. Because when you really begin to read the Old Testament, days of our lives has nothing on that stuff. They were some messed up characters. They did some crazy things. But no matter how much your wife has been trying to work you over and you've been resisting because you're stubborn and, and, and self-assured no matter how strongly God has been trying to speak to you through individuals and through His Word and you've refused to listen, God is going to have His way in your life. Eventually, He's going to get your attention. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 24 says, Faithful is He who calls you and He also will bring it to pass. God is going to have His way in our life. No matter how stubborn we are, He's always knocking us off of our high horse. What a challenge God has when He works with some of us, right? Some of y'all hitting your spouse right now with their elbows. It's fascinating to me, the thing that that, that He always reveals... God always kind of gives an outline form of what he's going to do, what he intends to do. And I want you to go with me to to the story of Isaac's sons here. And I want you to look at what happens. And I want to read in, in Genesis chapter 25, and I want to start reading at verse 20. He says, And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, and Padan Aran, the sister of Laban, the Araman, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, It is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came forth red, 
all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding onto Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when, he gave, when she gave birth to them. Now think about this. Here we see this story. Jacob, you're going to discover, is a lot like most of us. Jacob, the name literally means he shall grab by the heel. Whatever it takes to succeed, that's what I'm going to do. The name actually means he shall grab by the heel. Whatever's above me, I'm going to pull it out of my way. Whatever's below me, I'm going to kick it out of the way. I'm going to be successful. But the life of Jacob isn't in the Bible so that we can just get amusement out of it and say, Jacob, way to go. It's there to show us what we reap is what we sow. And beyond Jacob, we see God's character as he reveals himself in the life of this one man named Jacob. You, you want to know what God is really like? You can find out by reading about God and his attributes through the Bible and seeing him working in the lives of men and women throughout the pages of the book. This is the primary way God chooses to reveal himself to us. Are you willing to, to see God just as he shows himself? The important question, are you ready to discover what he thinks of himself? If you really desire to know God as he is, let him speak for himself. Don't speak for him. Let him speak for himself just like he does in the lives of Jacob and Joseph. Whether you listen and make him Lord of your life, that's your choice. But you say, hey, it's okay to look at God's character, but look where I'm at right now, Pastor. I'm, I'm, going, bankrupt, I'm going bankrupt and my life is in trouble or my spouse is about to leave me. And you want to talk about God's character. Why don't you talk about family problems and all that? I'm going to tell you, if you look at the life of Jacob and the family that provokes so much turmoil within it, you can find some solutions for your family in this story. Because you learn a quite a bit about a family when you begin to look at Jacob in this story, because yours and my family, because when you look at this story, you can work with you can see that God can work with people at all levels. He can work with many nations. God can work with one nation if he chooses. He can work with the president of a nation. He can work and deal with people individually if he chooses or if he wants to take a mass of people at one time and work with them. Why can he do that? Because he's God. During the last few years, the United States as a nation we have experienced some, some very foundational shakings and difficulties. And we got everybody giving us all the answers. All the Facebook experts are telling us. And I don't personally pretend to know exactly what God is trying to tell the United States other than wake up. But as I watch the news and I, 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 I see articles, I realize God is obviously trying to get a message across to the American church. And one thing that I know that he's trying to tell us is turn the news off and understand I'm in control. The Lord tells Rebecca, he tells Rebecca in, in Genesis 25, 23, he says, 
Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. That's untraditional. The older always gets the blessing. Two sons unborn. And God is declaring what's going to happen in their lives, Randy. That's the foreknowledge of our God in action. He knows the end from the beginning. He saw two little sons of Rebekah and Isaac when they were going to be conceived, and he said and he determined what was going to go on and how it was going to be. Against all tradition, against all nature, the younger would dominate the older. We see it coming out of the womb. You ain't coming out first, boy. I'm grabbing on. But that's amazing to me. There's a scripture that just always, when I read it, it amazes me. The fact that God knew us before we were even born. And then he said in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. To think that before I was born in Logan, West Virginia in 1977, God knew Mick Fry. Me. Knew me. Out of millions and millions of people, that is a fantastic thought that he planned that I would preach the gospel before my mom and dad even knew me. Before I was even formed in my mother's womb, God had a plan for my life. That is amazing. God says, before you were born, I separated you. And while we were yet inside our mothers, God says, I've got a plan specifically for your life. I forget how many billions of people are in the world. It's close to six billion or a little over. But out of six million people, every single one of them, when they were in their mother's womb and before, God had an ordained plan orchestrated for them. That's amazing. He had plans for Jacob. He had plans for Esau. He saw their lives unfold before they were even born. He worked out his purpose year after year in their lives, just like he does with you and me. I mean, we see God interested in fulfilling his promises in Jacob in his own divine way. And Jacob was interested in fulfilling God's purpose through himself. But guess how? Jacob wanted to do it His own way. Jacob's natural way. The very problem that haunted Jacob for a hundred years was Jacob could not get out of Jacob's way. Does that sound like anybody in the room? Jacob's life is almost over. And And Joseph took him to Pharaoh of Egypt. And Pharaoh asked Jacob, he said, how old are you? And listen to Jacob's answer. Genesis 47. Or listen to Joseph's answer. Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many years have you lived? Now you listen to this. He's at his dying days. The years of my sojourning are 130. Few 
and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years of my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. What a way to end a life. A man reaches 130 and he asks about his he's asked about his age and he says they are few and unpleasant. They seem like few because they were wrecked and wasted. He had so little to rejoice over, so few victorious moments in his life, and certainly there were difficulties. The King James Version says the years were evil. God knew about those little boys inside their mother's womb. He, he gave warning. He told Rebecca, said, they're going to be enemies. God was self-revealing what was going to happen. He loves to reveal himself. He loves to reveal his purposes. He doesn't hide himself from man like we think. So Rebecca She's desperate. The boys are fighting inside of her. And she says, Lord, what is going on? And God spoke to her in a prophetic voice, and he told her what was in store. God, I mean, and I want to tell you something. God would still be very willing to reveal his purposes to the whole world if the world cared to listen. You see, he takes pleasure in speaking to us in personal ways. Every one of us as a Christian has the privilege to be able to talk with a living God. Every one of us as Christians have the capability to spend time with Him and to hear His voice speak to us, sometimes maybe in an audible voice, but not necessarily, uh, you know, but He can do that if He chooses. But through the Bible and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God loves to speak to His children. In Psalm chapter 32, verse 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and, and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Basically, God says, listen to me. Let me teach you. If you will hear my voice, I'll guide you through this world. S uh, high school seniors, you need to hear me. He's saying, listen to me. I want to teach you and guide you through this. I want to have my hand on you as you go through these next several years of your life. He wants to have his hand on our families and guide us through this, this whatever kind of world we live in right now I, I mean he he wants us to be sensitive randy to his spirit and we can't be sensitive to the spirit when everything else in the world is drowning us out if i can't turn the tv off to get into his word how's he ever going to speak to me if i can't give him 30 minutes to 40 minutes a day to get on my face and speak to him and let him speak to me how am i ever going to hear his voice We'll go to everything and do everything and say, God, I want to pray when I get home. And we give him the last five minutes before our eyes shut. If we don't get away from now I lay me down to sleep, oh boy. He wants to direct our lives. 
If you feel as if God has never spoken to you, my suggestion to you is take a little time and allow Him to speak to your heart through His Word. God does, He has a purpose for our lives. For every person on this planet, God has a plan. Man, woman, teenager, children, especially teenagers. In the Bible, almost every case, God began to work noticeably in men and women when they were young. God seems to love picking a person up when they're young and guiding them through life. Man, I wish that I could go back to about 12 or 13 and start listening to the voice of God. Everybody should say amen right there. Because from about 12 to 20, I was stupid. Stupid. And you know what they say about stupid. You can't fix it. But God seems to love picking people when they're young and that are, is going to listen to them, and he guides them through life. That's the sovereignty of God. That's, it's just amazing to me who ultimately, I mean, these people, when we listen to him at a young age and, and he begins to speak to our destiny and we begin to fall in line with the path, uh, the purposes and the, and the things that these people do. I mean, man, we, here's the problem. We all want God to do everything for us. God, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want you to do it all through me. You realize that we have a measure of responsibility in this thing, right? We have a role in the process. We find Brother Esau fully exercising his own free will. Go back with me to Genesis 25, verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. He was a hippie. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for, for game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, Please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. <laughs> Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. So of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first, swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. What God foretold before they were born, Esau, the Bible says, freely, freely confirmed and despised his birthright over a bowl of beans. We're laughing at him. Over a bowl of beans, he sealed the prophetic voice that God spoke to his mother in his own free will. God has announced that this would happen. He never gave the details, and in a moment, of passion oh Lord my birthright don't mean nothing I'm going to be dead here in a minute 
Esau ruined his hour of opportunity for a bowl of beans. What a decision. Watch the moments of desperation in your life because you will get on your feelings and your feelings will jack you up. They will mess you up. I'm going to die. His hunger got him. His impulses got him, Rob. A moment of impulse. What are we selling out in impulses in our lives over a bowl of beans? When you talk about the sovereignty of God and the free will, the free will of man, there's always a question, where does the sovereignty of God end and the free will of man begin? Let me tell you the answer. The sovereignty of God never ends. He's always sovereign, and the will of man begins and ends where God says it does. Again, he's God. He sets the limits. But God allowed, and here's the part that we, we don't understand in the world. God allowed Jacob to actually cheat his brother out of a business deal. He wasn't in favor of it, but God allowed it to happen, and he simply permitted it. And again, he's going to deal with this later in life, and we're going to talk about it a little later. But look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Don't think what you do right now don't affect tomorrow. Because this shady deal that Jacob just had with his brother Esau, it comes back to get him later. But Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Esau's parents gave a very poor example to their sons. Isaac and Rebekah were really something. Perhaps it was the way Rebekah was chosen to be Isaac's wife and how the marriage even started. Some people think it was a stupid decision. They're just thrown together, sight unseen. I mean, who in the world says, hey, servant, why don't you go out there in the middle of nowhere and find my wife? That's how they got together. Hey, servant, go. Find me a wife. The home that produced Laban. It ha I mean, it affected Rebecca. Both of them lied and cheated later in life. Obviously, there was division in the house. We just read the story. You can say this marriage was not what it should have been. Esau, the Bible says, was loved by his father Isaac mostly because he cooked. Nice uh, stews. And, and, and Esau was a manly man and a, a hunter and an outdoorsman. Again, that shows how mature Isaac was. The mother, Rebecca, liked the other son because the father liked one. No specific reasons are given, but obviously they didn't see eye to eye. Isaac loved his son for hunting skills and cooking abilities. And his most loved one, Esau, who considered his hunger more important than his birthright. Isaac and Rebecca 
provoked a lot of problems with their two boys, with favoritism to one and the other. But even though the family's a mess, the bulk of the responsibility still falls on Esau. Esau made the choice, not Isaac. Even with a weak father, a father with problems, a mother with problems, God will not let you blame your mistakes on your family. That's what we're seeing more and more of every day. I'm the way I am. I do what I do because mommy and daddy, God's not going to let you get away with that. The court system may allow it, but God's not going to allow it. And, and, and here's the problem that I have with that. You know, Mick's going to answer for Mick's mistakes, and I've made a lot of them. And I dare not blame my mom and dad for stupid mistakes I made. It's not their fault. But anybody who wants to blame other people for their weaknesses and their sins, you're in trouble. Because what happens is you're never going to find answers to your problem. He's hungry. He smells good food. He despised everything that God was giving him. And Jacob... God would have found a way to fulfill this divine purpose somehow, some way. But Esau, the Bible said he despised what God offered him in a moment of desperate hunger for a bowl of beans. Red stuff. Church, we're full of something. And we'll be fulfilled and full on whatever we're eating. Whether be full of God or full of something. How hungry are we? Are we eating bowls of beans? Or are we hungering and thirsting after God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible says they will be filled. Can the praise team come back? How many young people and not so young people have ruined what God had for them in a moment of desperate hunger. Whatever the temptation was, how many people brought up in, in good environments, we see it all the time, had the, the model home, but in one blast of self-indulgence, they wreak havoc on their lives, on their homes. Esau just did that. Jacob, too, had already begun a long, bitter path that was downward. His first evil mark on his life, and Jacob never dealt with it. He kept trying to promote God's purposes for his life in his own selfish way. And you begin, as we go in a little further next week, he begins to show all the characteristics of so many people and so many lives that show today. Jacob was full of guile. The word guile, the use of clever and usually dishonest methods to achieve something. Jacob was a scheming man. He was deceitful. He was sneaky. He was sly. His name was the grabber. How appropriate is his very name? Jacob was interested in success. He wanted to be successful. He was intent on being successful. 
But here's the part about Jacob that I want you to see. Jacob was never intent on sinning. Yet he failed so badly. Jacob was never a gross sinner. He was basically what we would call a nice person. But he had gross failure. Because he tried to promote God's plan in his own way and not God's way. That was his lifelong problem. And Jacob... This downward spiral begins when he sees his brother hungry. Ready? He just looks and says, business is business. I'm going to get my birthright. Right here. I'm going to do it my way. Then, because he was a mama's boy, he probably went gloating happy. Mama, I did it. I did it. I got him in a moment of weakness. It was fair and square, and I got the deal. Mom Esau turned his birthright over to me. Nobody can accuse me of shady dealings. It was all out in the open. Esau did it. It's a clean deal. But here's the problem. It wasn't. Because it wasn't God's way of giving him the authority that he so badly wanted. Many of us have had tremendous promise when we were young. And 20 years later, we're still nothing for God. Why? Because we've tried to promote what God obviously gave us at a young age, but we're trying to do it in our flesh our essential unsaved self tries to get its own way that's why Romans chapter 8 I think it's verse 7 and 8 the Bible says those who operate in the flesh they can't please God twisting arms and trying to trick people into getting things that is not God's way it's not worth it. It takes you nowhere. Never try it. Ask Jacob. Because Jacob will tell you, my years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. God is a very patient man. Jacob commits this sneaky business deal. God didn't send down... A bolt of lightning and strike him dead. There was no camel came and run him down down the path. God was around before you and I were born. And he's going to be around when you and I are gone. The only ones that cannot afford to lose time is us. All of us. When we feel like God has shown us the road that we're supposed to follow, we all run the risk of trying to impl implement a God's plan in our flesh. Every one of us. It's easy. But I close with this verse. Proverbs 3. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. This is the best. We always read that, but this is the best part of that whole scripture. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If Jacob could have learned that. If only we could learn that. Jacob, it was tricking his brother with some red stuff. What are we entangled in? Today, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Can we stand? Church, we don't have to twist God's arm. He can take care of His purposes for our life way better than we can. God can do in one day what, we can, what would take us a hundred years to do. And how foolish we are when we think we can further God's purposes on this earth with our own wits and our own wisdom. We can't. If only Jacob could have asked himself that question before he, he acted. But I close out today. There's two people here today. There's some Esau's. And you're eating from the wrong bowl this morning. Don't sell out your birthright over a meaningless bowl of beans. Some of you right now, you've got yourself in situations and circumstances because you have sold out God's destiny for your life for what you think should be your destiny. Don't sell your birthright for a bowl of beans. And then... There's some Jacobs. Who you know God's got a plan on your life, but you keep trying to fulfill it your own way. Church, we don't get to pick and choose how God fulfills His plan in our lives, He's got a plan. And he's got plans to prosper us, plans to give us a, a hope and a future. He's got an expected end for all of us. But know this morning that he that began a good work, he's going to perfect it, he's going to complete it. But we got to be willing right now today to say, God, I surrender. They're getting ready to sing this song again. If you're here this morning and you're lost and you don't know Christ, 
We want to pray with you. We want you to come to this altar. Don't sell out your birthright. Your birthright is you should be a son or daughter of God. Don't sell out your birthright this morning for a bowl of beans. Others, God's got a plan for your life. But you've not been willing to let Him have His way. If that's you, I want you to come and I want to pray for both of you. If you're lost or you know God's got a plan and you've been trying to do it your own way, I want you to come right now as they begin to sing. Come. Come. Don't sell out your birthright for a bowl of beans. Is there anybody? Until I look like the one I behold And I will pour out my vial Until all of me is on the floor And at your Angie, some of you ladies, let's gather around Miss Shelby. Your voice that sounds like the waters. Your eyes are full of fire, fairer than the sons of men. Your name is pure and holy. Thanks for listening with us today. 
We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.